0: Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved.
1: Episode 1212, air date May 18th, 2023.
0: All right, good evening, everyone. It's Dr. Shiva Duray. It is uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Cambridge. Um, I know we have uh, people also joining us internationally. We also wanna welcome people. Um, every Thursdays, um, we do a town hall on a six-part series. And that series uh, is literally the platform of the Dr. Shiva for President campaign. Um, John, if you can bring up that logo, um, we can all see, um, John's going to bring up the a diagram that will really help people understand how our platform is built for people um, listening. Our platform is a platform in action. What, 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 what we mean by that is we're not going to say, oh, we're going to do this if and when we become president. Uh, is the diagram up, John? I'm bringing it up right now. Okay. And um, our campaign is a a campaign of action in um uh in deeds so if you look at the diagram um when we launched our campaign um typically all of the other candidates or most candidates who run for office say well after i become president i'm going to do this after i become president i'm going to do that well um uh our becoming president is essentially going to be an extension of what we're already doing and it's going to help us accelerate things faster. So John, scroll up a little bit. So when we um, launched our campaign, we said, when it comes to healthcare, um, I've done some of the most extensive analysis on healthcare. People can go see the many videos I've done over the last five or 10 years, but um, as a systems biologist, as someone who's been in the, in the uh, medical field for many, many years and who's pursued healthcare, I really, really understand that the real issues are the corruption of the system of healthcare that's taken place uh, over the last 70 years, starting in about 1970, starting with the policies of John Kennedy um, and others. But um, the system has become so corrupt to think that someone's gonna get into office and suddenly uncorrupt this system is just nonsense. So what is uh, the platform for Dr. Shiva for president for healthcare? Well, We're not going to wait to wait uh, to somehow convert these devils and evil people to start doing the right thing or passing this bill or that bill. Our goal is we recognize as a, uh, for myself having studied this, when you really look at your body, which is ultimately what you want to take care of, uh, the body's central operating system is the immune system, okay? Your immune system is not just one part of your health, it is really the foundation of all of your entire body. Um, so about five Thursdays ago, this is our fifth one, uh, we did an entire uh, discussion in very simple terms, accessible to every citizen, not only in the United States on the planet, educating them on what is the immune system from pioneering work I've done as, as, a, as a renowned scientist on the immune system, but. Not only theory, we gave people actual foods, protocols that they could do to strengthen their immune system. It was not only foods, it was not only exercises, but it also involved the social aspect of the importance of having community that, you know, um, if you want to build immunity, build community, have good friends, et cetera. But we did that. That is our healthcare program, which means it goes down to the individual understanding the science and then being able to deploy it. And regardless of what government does, our campaign is going to teach people how to take care of their immune system. Look, my great-great-grandfather lived to 102. He had all of his teeth. And, um, you know, there was no healthcare systems in the Indian villages, but he followed certain important disciplines. And we have to get back into self-reliance. If the government wants to do something, great. But I, running for president, um, is going to teach people these things. Winning. Um, the presidency will just help us accelerate it because we'll use that bully pulpit to get it out to more people. But you cannot expect the uh, corrupt system, which has created the worst uh, decline in lifespan in the industrialized nation, John, if you can bring that up, for the United States to think that they are somehow going to solve this. okay, It's just nonsense. People are wasting money with all these politicians saying, give me money, uh, vote for me, and then I'm going to go fix this. And if you look at this graph that Um, we're the only ones talking about this graph. Everyone in the world should be talking about this, but this graph, as I've talked about, shows really the disaster of the Democrats and Republicans. And this is what you get for voting for the lesser of two evils. You get suffering in an early grave. The red line on that chart, starting from 1980, it didn't happen over COVID. That's sort of the distraction. Um, What you notice is that red graph represents the lifespan or the life expectancy of a US citizen. And you can see where we're headed as your children are going to live less than you, okay? And this policy is not because of COVID. It started around a little after 1980 because a gray line represents the average of the life expectancy of all the other industrialized nations. And you can see right around 1980, a little bit after that, we started going, we meaning the United States started going in a -a wackadoodle way and around 20, 16, sorry, uh, 2014, we actually started going down and then um, COVID just accelerated it. Now, the point is that that red line represents the destruction of the immune system. All right. No other presidential candidate even knows any of this because they're either lawyers or they're top down. But more importantly, they do not give a damn about the suffering of the American people. They just don't because they're not one of you. I'm one of you. I came from everyday poor farmers, uh, grandparents um, uh, in a village in India, but I grew up in New Jersey of everyday working people. That's who I am. I'm not a Robert Kennedy who's a liar, who says one thing one day, and then tells everyone coming to his home they should be vaccinated. I'm not uh, Donald Trump who has a golden plated toilet seat. I'm not a Joe Biden who basically says whatever needs to be said, says he has all these degrees and doesn't, these people are all liars. I'm an everyday person who's one of you. And because of that, I'm the one who's bringing out this graph. I'm the one who's talking about this because our campaign really comes down to educating everyone on this graph. And what does this graph show? That if you keep voting for the lesser of two evils, people are going to die even faster in the United States. And this is just black and white. This is the results of the policy uh, of both of these parties and the behavior of people looking above. Every four years, they give you another fool. They do a worldwide wrestling entertainment, political theater. Oh, today we have Obama. Today we have Trump. Today we have another fool. And we have to go look to ourselves from below. And that's what we're going to talk about. Today's talk is going to be about how you become a leader. What is governance? But anyway, Sean, go back to our uh, campaign platform. So we actually educated people um, five uh, Thursdays ago on healthcare. That's our platform. That's the campaign for healthcare. Um, Four uh, four Thursdays ago, I'm sorry, Thursdays, we gave an analysis on the environment, but the environment, again, we made it very personal. Once you learn how to eat locally, support your local farmers, eat food on a budget, and eat healthy, you understand that, again, the Democrats and Republicans have together destroyed the environment. Uh, The fact that a company like Monsanto uh, existed this long, the fact that um, you have... uh, the entire supply chain of the uh, food and soil system has been destroyed and forget all these NGOs, forget all these people have been doing stuff, whatever they've been doing ain't working because we're in a desperate condition. The latest research shows what happens when you genetically engineer food. I did that latest research in six papers. We showed that when you genetically engineer food, that it fundamentally destroys the health of the plant. You don't get as nutritious food Um, and so on. Um, There's been some very, very good scientists who've shown that it is the pesticides, and this is going to sound conspiratorial, but it isn't. This has been published in some of the leading journals in the world, literally creates uh, changes in sexuality. And this is a very touchy topic because what's happened is there may be some normative distribution of sex, but it is my view based on the research that there's been a substantial change in this. And because of that substantial change, what has happened is people are trying to normalize this biological issue that has taken place because of the pesticides. But if we start supporting our local farmers, supporting locally organic grown food, um, we take control of our own health. We start becoming an active citizen. You have to start asking why your kids, when they go to high school or your local elementary schools, why they're uh, eating garbage, you know, why. All the tax dollars you pay are not getting them locally grown fruit. So we did a whole session on how do you go shopping, how do you take care of your health. That's our environmental platform. Okay, on education, um, that was two Thursdays ago. Scroll down, John. We want to teach people how to tell truth from lies, and the way you do that is with the understanding of system science. So in about an hour and a half, we taught people the fundamentals of system science. Um, as many of you know, um, I create. I've created an entire a program called Truth Freedom Health, where you can actually learn about the science of systems. The same knowledge I learned at MIT, about 20,000 people in the world understand the knowledge of systems, Uh, like Prometheus bringing fire to the world. I've put that knowledge framework that anyone can learn this. And without the knowledge of systems in the modern day world, you're frankly screwed. You're gonna uh, uh, be used and abused by what I call the great deceivers of our time. The Elon Musk's, the Tucker Carlson's, the uh, Donald Trump's, the Kennedy's, these people are the modern great deceivers. They're all part of the establishment and they've learned to say what you wanna hear, but they are are doing exactly the opposite. So uh, they've learned how to lie through their teeth and um, confuse people. But there is a way to, uh, to get real education that's through system science education. And then last Thursday, we did an entire talk on innovation. Uh, we taught people the seven secrets of innovation, uh, what you can do to really be an innovator, to be an entrepreneur. And we went through those. And um, by the way, all those talks um, will be, if they're not up on our website, shiva Today, we want to talk about governance. What is governance? Am I, am I going to talk about lobbyists? Sure, we all know they're corrupt. Are we going to talk about The fact that the judicial system is corrupt, definitely. Are we going to talk about term limits? We can. We know that there should be term limits, but for some reason, we never get term limits. Okay? Everything that people actually want, they don't get what they want because the entire system is corrupt. So what's our option? Well, the option is we have to become leaders in our own community. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to understand the principles of leadership and how to do that bottoms up. We're not going to give a talk today of some Dale Carnegie talk about how to win friends and influence people. We're going to talk about how you can become a leader in your own community. Um, We have a number of leaders who've gone through the educational program that I've created, and we're going to give you the high points of that today. Uh, Frank Licata will say a few words, the transformation he went through, uh, John Medlar, and then Crystal Ellis. But let me really talk about governance. You know, to me, governance and being a leader is not some... I didn't go to Harvard Business School, take some stupid a two-year MBA program, and just I'm going to spout out stuff. The leadership I, I learned is bottoms up. Building companies bottoms up with no capital, right? Bringing together people, teams, um, playing baseball, being, uh, uh, you know, in team sports. You learn a lot in doing this, but let's first begin um, with what are the key elements of leadership? And you may want to take some notes. This video will be up there but one of the most important elements of leadership is you have to put together teams. You have to bring people together, right? So one of the key elements of leadership is who do you keep on your team and who do you not keep on your team? Because if you don't have a strong team and you don't know how to build a team as a leader, you're frankly screwed. Trump talked a big game, but who did he put on his team? John Bolton, a warmonger, okay? Look at all the people he put on his team. They were all people that had no integrity and um uh and many of them were also incompetent, okay, so lack of integrity and competency so one of the great lessons I learned when you're building teams and you can um uh you can draw a diagram on this if you want, but one of the key elements is um that you have to deal with this very interesting issue between. Competency and incompetency, and people with integrity and no integrity. Okay. And you're constantly dealing with this. And as a leader, you have to make very, very decisive choices on who you build a team around, especially our a model of governance, as you're doing this locally in your local community. So if I were to draw an axis, so you can draw an X axis that goes from left to right, and we're going to do it sort of old school. So if I were to draw a little axis that went, you know, left to right. Okay. And on the left side, I put the word, uh, um, let's say, put the word incompetent. Okay. On the far left. And then the far right, I put the word competent. Okay. So if you have an axis, you have someone who's incompetent here and competent here. So you have competent, incompetent and competent. Okay. So that's one dimension of how you look at people as a person competent? are they incompetent, right? If I give them something to do, can they get the task done? Or if they give them something to do, they screw it up, okay? That's one dimension. Now, on that same graph, you can draw a vertical axis going from here to here, looking at a different attribute, and that is called um, no integrity on the bottom and integrity on the top. So, you end up with a two by two matrix, okay? The people over here uh, are very competent and they have high integrity. The people on the bottom are incompetent and they have no integrity. And I would argue Trump hired a lot of these people, okay? Which is the swamp. And then over on the bottom right, you have competent people, but they have no integrity. And then over here on the upper left here, you have incompetent people, but they have integrity. So let's look at that, okay? So when you're when I started one of my earliest first companies when I was 25 years old, I was dealt, I, I had, to, I mean, you do this when you put new teams together, um, especially if you're building movements bottoms up, you don't have the luxury of having billions of dollars and hundreds of millions to hire HR people and they do all your vetting. You have to do this on your own. So it's so you have to really be a leader and you have to build your wisdom. So the biggest question that comes to people is who do you fire? Okay. Not, uh, you know, who do you get rid of as a leader? Okay. So if you have people who are highly competent and have a lot of integrity, that's easy, right? You're going to keep them. Check. And what does integrity mean? Integrity in an organization, as you're especially growing a new one, means these people aren't gossip people. Uh, They don't say one thing and do another. Okay. They're not rumor mongers, right? um they say they're going to do something and they do it you can count on them all right that's a person who has integrity their words match their deeds simply put um competency competency means they have the skills you tell them to put together a document and it has no and, and you don't want spelling mistakes they get it it's written properly you're proud of them it's impressive you tell them um Uh, If you're building an organization, many people have to do certain things. You say, hey, look, can um, can you clean up this room? You come back and the room is actually clean. Not like you have to tell them to do this and that and this, and you're basically micromanaging them. So if you have someone with integrity and they're competent, which is the upper right quadrant, obviously you keep them. That's easy, right? All right. The next group of people on the bottom right, okay, people are incompetent, have no integrity obviously, you get rid of them very, very quickly, right? No integrity means you're building an organization and one person goes, um, basically doesn't, is not transparent. Um, they sort of backbite people. They don't do what they say, et cetera, right? Et cetera. It's the opposite of integrity. Um, and some of these people, if they're obviously incompetent, which means they don't do, they are unable to do what task you give them, that's also an easy choice. So people are incompetent and have no integrity. Simple leadership skill says get rid of them, right? So one group, people with integrity and competency, you keep, and people who have no integrity or incompetent, you get rid of. All right. So that's pretty easy. Now, here are the areas where your leadership skill is really, really tested, where you have people in the upper left quadrant they are incompetent but they have a lot of integrity and you may see people like these you 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 get someone um you tell them to do something they sort of get it right and they don't get it right right um uh you know they they don't have full attention to detail but they're very very good people they show up on time you can count on them you say hey can you be there uh, they're always there high integrity people but they have this incompetency So that's one group, what do you do there? Um, The other area is the people who are, and this is probably the toughest. You will find people as a leader, they're very competent, very skilled. You tell them to do something, they'll they'll do it. However, they have no integrity. I'll give you an example of these people. They're called salespeople, okay? They're, when when I was building one of my organizations, um, we had a great technology, Um, we were, um, um, you know, I had figured out how to bring in clients on my own. We had a good product development guy, and then we hired a sales guy. Now the sales guy was interesting. Can you get me some water? Um, the sales guy was interesting. He could sell. He was very diligent, very competent, but he would always go around these five people and say, backbite everyone else, create rumors. He was very, very destructive. Okay. So the question came. Should we keep this guy? Because when you're a new forming organization, you need money, right? You need new customers. So the question is, what do we do with this guy? What do we do? So here's a guy who's very competent, but has no integrity. And you're just forming an organization. You're building a bottoms up movement. And those of you, um, you know, for our um, campaign, for example, you could be in some part of the world and uh, some part of the United States. And we thank you. And we ask you to, help us um, organize. We want you to, or in, 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 in sort of a governance model, ultimately I believe the real governance comes from building um, local decentralized, um, um, you know, teams. So what do you do with the person who is absolutely competent but has zero integrity? What do you do with them? John, maybe you can read out some of the answers either on Zoom or on StreamYard or whatever you see. So we'll we'll answer. So what do you do? You, you're, you're just starting this organization. You're the leader. You know to get rid of people who are incompetent and have no integrity. You know to keep the people of integrity. But now you got this individual who's very competent but has no integrity. What do you do with that person?
2: Lynn says, fire them. Who says that? Uh, Lynn, DB, Rudy, they all say, fire the person who has no integrity.
0: Okay. What do other people say, John.
2: Gerald says, dump him. Who says that? Gerald says, dump him. Okay. All right. Justin says, keep them initially to build, grow, then you fire. Crystal says, yes, bye-bye. Okay. All right. So James says I... expose their actions. Who says that? James? Yeah. James. Okay. Um, uh, Lou says, skills can be learned. Integrity is a character flaw. Mm hmm. Okay. Ariana says no integrity. Get rid of them.
0: All right. Great. I'll come back and answer the question. By the way, what I'm sharing with you, I used to teach at a course at Sloan School many, many years ago, but we'll come back to this. Okay. Uh, Now, let me ask the next question. You have someone who has high integrity, but they're incompetent, meaning that they constantly make mistakes. um, They don't have attention to detail, but they're always there. What do you do with those people?
2: Teresa says train. Uh huh. Um, Emily says mentor. Glenn says mentor.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: All right. Anyone new.
0: Dan says probation period. Okay. So let me tell you. After many, many years, what I learned that was very effective, let's go. So as a leader, you have to recognize when you're building an organization and you're doing it you know, not with top-down support and you have to do it on your own, you have to be very, very careful. So if you have someone who's very competent and has no integrity, um, and by the way, when I asked this question at MIT and I I, I did a a seminar at Harvard, the class was actually 50-50. People said, "Oh well, you got to keep them, you know, because they're making money for you. You know, you got to keep them." Well, what we learned to do is, when we found someone who had no integrity, especially in a startup organization, and they were very competent, um, we would fire them publicly. Okay, we would get rid of them fast, because these people, as a number of people remarked, are very dangerous, because they're pure poison, because. especially in a new organization, they're going to create a culture of no integrity. And you basically have no organization. You're done. You might as well just close up shop if you're going to keep up people like this. But the devil here is, well, you know, they're bringing in money. Then that's really the devil. The devil will have all these great attributes, but he's got this one little thing that's wackadoodle. Okay. And this will come back to when we talk about people like Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump and Robert F. Kennedy, these people actually have no integrity. And yet people are keeping them and holding on to them because they do not understand this concept. These people are poison. That's in a larger level, right? And you see this in governance, but this is one of the most important lessons um, that you need to learn, particularly as a leader, when you're starting something new, and you can apply this to anything, a startup, et cetera. Now, to the people who have a lot of integrity, but um, um, are incompetent or um, have attributes of incompetency, you as a leader have an interesting uh, duty here because of their integrity um, and because of the fact that, let's say, when you hired them on their resume, they said, hey, I know how to write. And when you see their emails, there's all sorts of spelling mistakes and errors. What do you do? The right thing to do here is you give them a very, very clear communication. And that's a second attribute of leadership. Uh, What I'm talking about right now is to have the wisdom here. You have to be wise. And I'm giving those elements of wisdom. um, And that's what this really is. But the second attribute is communication. We'll come to that. But to these people, you have to be very, very clear in pointing out their errors. And then you give them, we used to give them 30 days to fix it. And I'll give you the, the example, there were two companies, both of them are household names. You may know a company called Levi, a Levi's jeans, and another company called Pepsi. Um, at Pepsi or at Levi's, um, the example that I remember with a, with a person I did a seminar with many, many years ago, there was a secretary and this secretary was always writing memos, which were just horribly written, spelling errors, et cetera. Um, and the Levi's model was when they went up to this person, they said, Oh, let's say the person was Barb, Barbara. They said, Oh, Barb, we really love you. But, you know, um, uh, you know, we've seen some uh, spelling mistakes. Can you work on that? It'd be really nice. You know, we really like you, da, 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 da. Very loosey goosey. Pepsi had a very different model. When someone did that, they they were trained to go to that person and say, Hey, look, in the last two weeks, you've done 22 spelling mistakes. It has really affected the reputation of communications with other people. We're giving you 30 days to fix this. Your resume said that you had a BA in literature and your work is not reflecting that. So they'd be very, very specific, clear and point out examples. So it was, uh, you know, um, uh, um, very objective, okay? And they would give them, you know, certain time to fix that a probationary period. So as a leader, you have to really learn that when you have people with high integrity, but they have this issue, you have to, it's your responsibility to clearly communicate to them because ideally you can try to preserve these people and maybe they need some training and you can mentor them. But some people are unmentorable and that's a different issue. And then you have to let them go. So anyway, What I just shared with you is lessons sometimes people never learn. Many people start organizations and they keep failing because of this very important issue of not having the wisdom to identify this, you know, um, this phenomenon between integrity uh, uh, and no integrity and competence and no incompetence. Okay. First lesson of being a leader, you have to have the wisdom of how you build your teams, who you keep and who you let go. All right. The second piece I want to talk about, second item, is communication. Um, communication has to be very clear and precise, and has to be understood by all. Um, and uh, you know, I had a very um, interesting professor at MIT. His name was Jim Williams. He was the only black professor at MIT. Very interesting guy. He grew up in Newport News, Virginia, um, and in 1968 he was able to come to MIT and. He ended up getting a PhD out of MIT in uh, mechanical engineering, but also um, uh, a, a PhD in literature from Oxford. But if you spoke to me, sounded like a, a guy, you know, that you'd meet on the street. He spoke very, very simply when he used to teach his mechanics class, when he used to teach a vibrations class. He didn't make it very complex. You know, he would say when he was teaching the concept of vibration, he said, imagine you're in your... Car and you're going down the highway, and you got some shocks going, but he's speaking in a very, very uh, easy to understand way, you know, so it was accessible to people. So uh, communication has to be accessible to people. So when Jim Williams, when I was writing my thesis, he said, You have to write and communicate as though you're talking to an eighth grader. So ed- anyone can understand very complex things. So if you notice, um, one of the things that I'm happy about um, in the communication I try to do is, um, if you remember in 2020, we explained to people the immune system. It's a very complicated thing, but we use pictures and diagrams. And many people wrote to me because a husband and wife would be fighting against each other to get vaccinated or not. Typically, the woman did not want the children to wear masks and go through this vaccine mandates, and typically the men wanted it. So there were a lot of rifts but I did a very simple 20 minute video, you know, with paper and pencil, uh, I'm sorry, marker on a whiteboard. And we taught people, hey, this is what the immune system is. And everyone got that. And then this is why the immune system demands that what's right for you may not be right for someone else. It demands, because of the complexity, what has to be a patient doctor relationship. Anyway, that simple video was able to win over many, many people, but we did it through simple diagrams you know, simple words, but we were communicating complexity. When we ran against Elizabeth Warren, um, who is a woman who is a Senator of Massachusetts, she said that she was a Native American, right? We had a very simple slogan, which said only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. Now it's funny, right? But we really took a very complex topic and we made it very, very simple. So communication has to be precise, it has to, sometimes you have to use poetry, um, but you have to make it accessible to people. So communication is critical to being a leader. The example I gave you with the Pepsi and Levi is quite important because Levi's went down as a company, their brand got destroyed. Pepsi still exists. Um, many of the uh, very well-run companies, everything they do is done with precision. So Um, They have things called standard operating procedures, SOPs. Um, When my dad, um, uh, many years ago, he was a chemical engineer. His company got uh, taken over by Colgate. Um, And even the process of when you talk to someone on the phone was very well documented. How you speak to them, how you communicate. And why is that important? Because as you're building an organization, communication becomes critical because as you're adding people as a leader, you want to make sure the next person that comes in is following the same communication protocols. So because if one person speaks one way and another person speaks another way, everyone's is not having the core messaging, you're going to have, you don't really have an organization anymore, okay? So it's a very, very um, uh, easy thing to think that communication is easy, but communication is one of the hardest things. In our own organization that we run, be it our campaign or anything else, when we give an instruction to someone, the protocol we have is that person should repeat back the instruction, say, do you mean, right? And then you proceed and you'll find out many, many errors occur in these very, very simple communications. So there's the uh, communication aspect on day-to-day, the precision that's needed, but then also on one-to-many communications when you're trying to communicate a message. The diagram that, John, if you can bring that up, you know, sometimes you can use visual communications, you know, picture tells a thousand words. When we put this diagram up, you know, we have the key things of our campaign, go to the um, healthcare, environment, education, innovation, governance, and economy. But it lets people know very clearly, oh, they have, these are their platforms, areas, right? And I'm gonna learn something very, very quickly, right? So thanks, John. So this the ability to communicate one to many, and sometimes you have to come up with good slogans, you know, very clear messages, um, and then you can go long form. Well, one of the interesting things that came out in 2021 was, as some of you may know, I was deplatformed off Twitter in 2021, um, actually first in 2020, and uh, for exposing. The fact that the government is the one that runs the backdoor portal into Twitter. It was my work that revealed that. Not Tucker Carlson, who came three years too late. Not Elon Musk, right, who's part of the censorship infrastructure. And then we live in this very interesting world of uh, serious deception right now. But um, when we expose that, then when we, um, again, in 2021, we found out that the government deplatformed me for exposing that infrastructure. So We had to communicate this very, very effectively to people, and we got it out to about 400 million people. One of the things that came out was the Stanford Long Fuse report said that I was considered the top six super spreaders on the Internet. And they had said that I was doing a technique that was an unparalleled technique, that I would do these short form tweets, which got out the core message, and I would drive them to longer form videos, which went detailed. And apparently this is why i was so effective in communications but it does speak to this point that you can have the long form detail like we're doing today but then you have to be able to communicate the simplicity of it also so part of leadership is how do you get your message into very simple things that you can get it off what's called the elevator pitch but also you can communicate longer you have to be able to do both as a leader, we live in a world right now, you have to be able to bring people in on the short message, but you have to deliver the long message also because people need to get the depth of understanding. It can't just be sound bites after sound bites after sound bites because that's if you want a dumb a group of people, right? That's the Edward Bernays model of advertising, whereas everything was a 30 second sound bite. The problem with most of the governance today in politics is everyone's trying to just do a 30 second commercial and there is no depth. But you, in my view, real leadership is you have the depth and you have the ability to bring people in with a simple message, okay? So the second part uh, after wisdom in a leader is you have to have the ability to communicate. And it's an art. Um, I used to teach a course at MIT called Systems Visualization where I used to teach people how to communicate from a systems approach. So we used to teach people narrative storytelling, how to reduce something to a simple message, how to use pictures and diagrams, which we call systems diagrams, and how to bring in data, these four parts. And I may uh, bring that out. In fact, we will probably include that if people want to know know how to do that. So wisdom and communication. The third aspect of governance, you have to have, um, you yourself have to be a wise person. And I gave you a very powerful technique. You have to be able to communicate effectively in the short form and the long form, but trust. Um, one of the reasons um, in spite of all the shadow banning and the censorship that takes place to my work uh, wherever we go you know i was just in italy in sardinia we had 200 300 people show up to a, with no advertising within 24 hours to a demonstration we did on the steps of one of the big churches there because people have great trust in my work and the work of our movement and why is that trust comes when you tell the truth when it matters let me repeat that again trust comes when you tell the truth when it matters tucker carlson doesn't tell the truth when it matters He waited two three years okay most of these people do not tell the truth when it matters they tell it when it's opportune for them to be popular that is not a leader that is a misleader it's not even a follower so one of the th- ways that you bring trust in is that regardless of what it may do to your reputation at that point in time, you have to tell the truth when it matters. If you look at everything I've done and our campaign and our movement, it, we told the truth about the fact that government and social media have an unholy alliance right in September of 2020. We were the ones who discovered the signature verification issue that Carrie Lake is now talking about two years later. We did the work two years ago. We're the ones who figured out that the machines have the capability to flip votes. We're the ones who figured out that ballot images get deleted in 2020. Tucker Carlson waited three years and he was bullshitting people, talking about wacky election fraud stuff because it would get him views. Internally, he was writing stuff saying, oh, there is no election fraud, okay? These are, these are really dangerous and evil people. They're not leaders. They're scumbags. And that's, by the way, a technical term. You can use that in your communication, okay? But trust comes when you tell the truth when it matters. A great leader was a guy by the name of Alan McDonald. He was leading the space shuttle uh, Challenger uh, mission. Um, he was told by NASA to launch and sign off on the launch, he refused um, because he said, I know these O-rings are not gonna work. He told the truth. He died about two years ago and he said, I never, he goes, the most important thing in life is to tell the truth at the right time. If you see a crime taking place over here and you're a journalist and, and you have a huge megaphone and you keep walking away, that's not a leader. So please do not give any credit to Elon Musk, Tucker Carlson, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was supporting lockdowns in March of 2020. We weren't. And then he plagiarizes our material and writes a book in 2021 on Fauci, when he was saying exact same thing, supporting strict lockdowns. So you have to really look at people. When did they say the truth? When, when, when? One of the biggest things we must learn is real leaders, you, if you wanna judge a leader, Look at when they told the truth. Not if they told the truth, when they told the truth. All right? The other thing is, did they act on that truth? Did they actually take action? That was potentially risky to them. Alan McDonald took action. He did not sign off. He did an inaction, which was good, right? You know, we have always taken action. When we, in March 23rd of 2020, we wrote to Trump, I wrote to Trump and I said, fire this guy Fauci. Then we ran a fire Fauci campaign. We collected 120,000 signatures. Then for a day and a half, we rode our rickety bus down to Washington and gave Trump those signatures. That's called truth in action. I didn't see any of these guys, congressmen out there who now we're talking about Fauci, what's too little, too late. You're, you're just, you know, talking about stuff because you want to get views. But it's nonsense. These people are not leaders. So as leaders, for real governance, you have to tell the truth at the right time, and you have to act on it when it matters. John Medlar will speak to you shortly. Um, he and I, we, we met on the Boston Free Speech Rally. I was one of the leading organizers of it with John. And here was a big rally we organized for free speech on August, was August 2017, right, John? And we organized one of the biggest, John, you may just have some of those pictures queued up with the 40,000 who showed up. Okay, so I was asked to be one of the speakers at the Boston Free Speech Rally. I helped organize it with other young, um, young high school students who were really concerned that there wasn't a spectrum of speech. Anyway, three days before this event was to be held, a uh, week before Charlottesville took place, some of you may remember, where that was an incident where there were all these uh, uh, left and right people, there were some um, uh, horrible events that took place. Well, our free speech rally was suddenly characterized as a Nazi event and I was called a Nazi, crazy. And the two misleaders who did this were the mayor of Boston, who is now the the labor secretary for Biden, Marty Walsh, who was running for mayor in Massachusetts uh, and Boston against a black guy. And the governor was Charlie Baker, who was running against a Hispanic guy. So both of the and frankly both these guys are very racist people. But they wanted to act like they were anti-racist. So they branded me as a white supremacist. It's 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 unbelievable. Now, at that point um we uh, the other people were invited to speak at that rally. And all of those people ran away. They said, oh my God, this is gonna gonna be branded as a white supremacist event. In fact, Trump called it a white supremacist event. But on principle, we showed up, 40 of us showed up. John, do you have a picture of that? You may just want to bring it up. Um, And we were faced with a crowd of 40,000, okay? 40,000 people came to kill us, a mob of 40,000 people. You can see right there, to all fake news, so that's what happened. That's just one picture. We were in the middle of that, um, and forty thousand people. Johnny may want to show some of the other pictures. And we said, "Black lives do matter." We weren't supporting BLM, but we said, "Look, black lives do matter." No to GMOs. Stop Monsanto. So we were having a true free speech rally. We had people from the left, the right, uh, communists, uh, you know, Green Party people, right wing people. We really wanted to have true free speech, but. The two misleaders, Marty Walsh and Baker, riled up over 40,000 people. John, just type in 40,000 in Google. You'll see it. Free speech rally, 40,000. There it is, that picture right there. 40,000 people showed up and convinced that I was a Nazi. All right. And John was a white supremacist. All right. So, but because we moved forward, we did not shirk. We have tremendous trust among hundreds, 400, 500 million people all over the world who know our work. So real governance comes from not only wisdom and choosing the right people, communicating clearly, but always doing the right thing, not what is convenient. A lot of people say, well, why don't you be quiet? Why don't you try to be friends with Tucker? Yeah, he did that, but he's a nice guy. Oh, Elon Musk, be friends with him. No. You can't do this. This is why we end up where we are. This is why we end up with the life expectancy rate going this other way, because people. Oh, Bobby Kennedy. I guess Bobby had to do that because his wife had to wanted all the people there. You know what he did, right? And this is the latest, December 2022. Here's Robert F. Kennedy, Medical Freedom, saying he he believes a COVID vaccine is an experimental vaccine. He believes that the it violates the Nuremberg Code in his own house in Malibu. Everyone had to be vaccinated or show proof of vaccination of the COVID-19 mRNA vaccine. And then he blames his wife. And when I expose this, you have a bunch of idiots saying, well, Bobby had to do that because of his wife. What are you talking about? These people are not trustworthy people. They're not leaders. They have no trust. But um, consistently, um, real leaders show trust. The next thing, so wisdom, communication, trust. The next important problem is solving problems. Real leaders can look at a situation and are inspiring people to solve a problem. That is what real leadership is ultimately about. You have to be able to solve a problem. If you're in a relationship, you have to be able to solve a problem. What is the problem? You have to be able to look beyond left or right, see the whole, and solve the problem. Well, who in our world knows how to solve problems? Real electricians do. Real plumbers do. You're going to be hearing from Frank Licata. People actually have skills. Engineers who have had to put in their time. Lawyers don't solve problems. I'm sorry, they create problems. They bill on how long the problem continues. How many of you have had a lawyer? There's no interest to solve the freaking problem. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Well, I had to do that. I had to file that brief. I had to do that. Oh my God, what's my bill? Well, I had to do that. I had to do this. Doctors don't get paid, the entire medical system is about prolonging the problem. They want to find more problems. They don't want to solve problems. Engineers, we have to solve problems because we don't get paid. Electricians, if you you don't fix something, you don't get paid. But the only profession that keeps getting paid and holds you in hostage is lawyers. Well, I can't take your case. Well, you owe me. I can't do anything. So, And who runs Washington? Lawyers. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., lawyer. Okay? Go down the list. Or top-down people like Trump and others who had silver spoons. They never had to be accountable if they solved a problem or not. I grew up getting five hours of sleep since I've been 12 years old. I've always had to. um, My mother said, it's not sufficient. You're going to have to get an A-plus to be getting an A because of the world that I grew up in. So I've always had to work harder. Working class people work their butts off. They have to solve the problem. Otherwise they're out of a job, especially if you're an entrepreneur, your business goes. So solving a problem, how do you solve problems? Well, you have to have a skill. You have to be able to see the whole. You have to see the whole. And what does that mean? Well, in the modern world, the whole is always a system. There's no longer easy problems anymore. The world is made up of complex systems right now. The healthcare system is a complex system. Transportation systems, right? You know, um, information technology systems. Your body is a system. So how do you solve problems? Well, you can see a book I have over here called System and Revolution. I'm not saying you want to go buy it, but I've spent my entire life looking at complex systems figuring out the principles that operate them, and then educating people to look at any problem and see things as they are. We don't want to be the blind men as Buddha talked about. You know, the six blind men, you remember, remember the story, six blind men are brought into a room and an elephant is brought in and each one touches different parts of the elephant and they see com- something completely different we wanna be able to take our blindfold off and see the whole. Well, in order to do that, in the modern world, people need to understand the science of systems. They need to be able to see that whole. Fortunately, I spent a lot of time teaching people how to do this, and those of you are interested can go to Truth, Freedom, and Health and learn this, or you can go look at the class I did two days ago where I gave you the science of systems. But without the science of systems in the modern world, you will not be able to solve problems. We need to be able to solve problems. We need to be able to come up with real solutions, which requires competency. Um, and, and if you don't have the competency, bringing together other people who have competency, okay? So we've talked about wisdom, how to select people who you wanna bring in to create teams. We've talked about communication, we've talked about trust, and we've talked about the attribute of being able to solve problems. The other aspect of being a leader is to walk the walk and that I'm going to end on that. Walk the walk, not talk the talk, but walk the walk. You have to be able to walk the walk. You have to be able to get on the ground and be among people, not say that in words, but actually come from people, come from your everyday people. If you start a company, I mean, we used to, I used to clean the toilet, we used to clean the carpet, everyone did it together, okay? You were one team. Everyone worked together. So any job I would ask someone to do, I knew how to do. So you can support someone else. It's not like you're sitting here telling people what to do. This is why if you look at these people going to governance, um, if you watch these little Senate hearings or House of Representative hearings, you know when they're asking the person questions, they didn't even put those questions together. They had some staffer do it. And that staffer is being funded by some lobbyists, so these people are all talking heads. They don't even know what they're saying And now, um compare that to the founders of this country, okay? George Washington knew how to survey. He was a farmer, right? Thomas Jefferson could build a house. He was an architect. He was an engineer. Go look at Franklin. I mean, what has happened? to these kinds of people actually could walk the walk. They weren't just talking here and telling other people to do stuff. One of the cool. things Einstein talked about was that when you have a task and you are so far removed from the task, from the actual production events of what's actually going on, you actually don't know what the hell's going on. And that is what governance is. There are very few people actually know manufacturing. They've never built anything. There's actually very few people who actually know math. There's actually very few people who know, you know, electrical systems. You know, if I, uh, you know, we're gonna be putting on our website uh, who our cabinet's gonna be. If I wanted someone to be the head of the F- FCC, it's gonna be Frank Licata. And Frank is gonna talk shortly. Frank is a, is a ground level electrician, but he knows everything about radio systems. Why don't we have people like this? Because the political appointments today are who gave you money. Seriously. So how can you create policies when you have people running systems who know nothing about them? They don't walk the walk. And this inability to walk the walk pervades all of these misleaders. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he says, He's for medical freedom, but I have a video where he's saying I'm pro-vaccine. I'm emphatically pro-vaccine. I vaccinated all my kids with all 69 vaccines. He says that. And then over here, he goes on to rail against the CDC and the corrupt government. And then he says, but I'm going to get them to create safe vaccines. I mean, this stuff doesn't make any sense. We have brainwashed people to accept misleaders who never walked the walk. Trump, think about him, came in with, I'm going to lock her up. Nothing happened to Hillary. Not one thing. He's the one who told people to march towards the Capitol. He went the other way. There's a lot of people still in jail and he never pardoned them. He pardoned Jared Kushner's father who hired a prostitute to blackmail his own brother-in-law. Come on. Why are we accepting this in our leaders? They do not walk the walk. So there's many other attributes, but in my opinion, those of you who want to really support governance, we want you to go local. Number one, have this wisdom as you're building teams, follow the simple thing. By the way, that little example I gave you, if you wanted to take a course at MIT, you'd have to pay me 2,500 bucks. You just got that for nothing, okay? free. But that is one of the most powerful lessons you learn, how you bring teams together. That's real wisdom. Number two, you have to be able to communicate with succinctness, but also be able to go and give depth. We have way too many people who have Madison Avenue people coming up with little sound bites, but they have no depth. That's not leadership. There's nothing there. And as I talked about, you have to build trust with people. You have to tell the truth when it matters. And you have to be able to solve problems. And then finally, you have to walk the walk. And these are the fundamental attributes of leadership. Um, I want to bring a couple of people to make this real to you. Um, John, is Frank Licata there? Um, Yeah, I've seen him here. Yeah, he's here. Yeah, so I want to share with Frank. Frank is going to share with you because Frank came, you know, um, uh, part of our team. You know, uh, uh, Frank was a a great team member, but Frank's become a leader unto himself now in his own community up in Northern Massachusetts. And Frank is gonna share with you the transformation that he went through and how he became a leader. Go ahead, Frank.
1: Yes, hello, good evening or good day wherever you are in the world. Thanks for inviting me here. Um, Yeah, you know, I I was uh, pretty much apolitical. I didn't really care too much about politics prior to 2015. And um, my first um, dabbling in it was actually in my town, where there was a uh, a friend of mine who said, uh, and he was new to town. And he says, uh, "I'm gonna I'm gonna try to unseat this selectman, an 18 year incumbent, a townie who <laughs> you you could not get rid of." And uh, he says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna unseat him," and I says, yeah, "I'll help you." Um, I, and so this guy had an idea. He said. He goes, I can save the town a million dollars on health insurance for the employees of the town. He goes, it's really simple. You just shop it around. This guy's staying with the same uh, provider. And uh, quite frankly, we think he's getting a kickback from them. So, all right, great. I'm a taxpayer. I want to save money. I'm I'm fiscally conservative. So back then, um, social media advertising was somewhat new. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, stand in your kitchen and give me a two-minute video and explain everything you just explained to me of what you want to do. And uh, I'm gonna uh, throw some money at the big social media ones there. And I'm gonna target it down to anyone voting age that's in this town. And it wasn't a lot of money. And I said, I'm just gonna do this as a little hobby. Well, wouldn't you know, voter turnout was quadrupled. He won by a landslide and nobody could believe we unseated this guy. So I was so excited. (laughs) I said, "That that was really fun. I was charged up because at that point I was like, this guy's the outsider, kicking the establishment in the crotch. I'm like, I sorta like that, right? a couple months goes goes by we're in june 2015 and a businessman donald j trump comes down an escalator and i listened to him and i said i i I saw him as the outside agent of change at the time i says wow this is this is great it's exciting i'm meeting a lot of people here and, and you know it's 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 it feels like a revolution and uh i said i'm all in so at that point I I literally took a year and a half off my, uh, my, my work. I didn't, I didn't work for a year and a half from June, 2015 until the inauguration, January, 2017. I threw myself into the campaign as a volunteer, uh, full-time and primarily working Massachusetts and New Hampshire, actually New Hampshire first. And then, and then uh, in Massachusetts and I did everything. I mean, I was like, uh, supercharged. Uh, he, uh, Dr. Shiva might have played some of the videos of it before, but I was like, we, I would do the, um, you know, we would build stages for the rallies. We would do signs. I had a small group of people, contractors like myself, retired, a lot of retired guys. And we would travel thousands of miles around New England, do thousands of, of massive signs and stuff like that. Anyone that wanted, a, a, they had a high traffic location. We were there and we did it. Um, and, and it was, we felt like we we're in a move. And actually we, we would film it and then put it on a, um, a, a thing that I created called New England for Trump, and it would go across the whole country, and everybody was trying to keep up with us. They were like, wow, look at these crazy guys in Boston hanging off the expressway with 4 by 8s Like, we want to be like them, so we started this movement, and so that itself was exciting. So then he got in, and, I, you know, I, I, was, I was happy with it, um, went to the inauguration and all that, and then, um, you know, um, then I met Dr. Shiva, then came midterms, 2018 and uh and, and so it was i think it was 2017 i met dr shiva at one of the uh, republican town committee meetings because i i was never a member first of all i was never a member of a party but they kind of wanted me to 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 sign up for the for their um for the republican um you know be a member of their um party because i to be a delegate which i never was but um nonetheless uh i was there mostly as a laughing stock they kind of like at first they sort of made fun of trump and so they're like oh let's let's invite this guy to be part of our town committee we'll shoot spitballs at him or whatever so whatever but then he won and there was like wow that's cool you're the trump guy in town and then i met dr shiva and he was running against elizabeth warren as the first republican he gave them that the party a try then and he came to speak got a standing ovation no matter where he went everybody loved what he had to say but the party uh didn't want the outsider that's the problem we quickly learned um that they they didn't want to win you know so um 2020 came along trump was running again um they kicked all of us grassroots guys to the curb the party took over they you know they didn't need us anymore uh, dr Shiva was running for, for u.s senate again against the other senator and uh at that point we really saw the collusion between the parties where uh, the, the, uh, mass GOP did not want a winner. They, they wanted to tank on purpose. And in fact, the, the head of the party lives in my town as well. And I saw his fangs come out. He came after me with severe vitriol, uh, for the, uh, crime of bringing Dr. Shiva to speak again, getting standing ovations everywhere he went, but they didn't want that. They, they just wanted us to be quiet and, and not, and not rock their little, uh, their little boat so we saw it we saw it, we saw firsthand how both parties colluded together um you know they wanted their top-down dominance even if it meant they didn't win they just uh it was one party uh, against any outsider and dr she was an outsider that's why i like him you know because he's you know rocking a boat and uh so um i'm no longer involved in top-down politics um i learned the hard way um about it it took me you know over five years to try to try it the way that i thought it was supposed to be done uh only to learn that that's you can't beat them it's just like if you walked into a casino and you think you're gonna walk out with their money that's not gonna happen it's just (laughs) you might have a little (laughs) lucky strike but no the house always wins so just don't try to beat the house you know make your own make your own house so um, really, the only way to do it is uh, is is bottoms up. It's it's the only way. It's them. It's them. By them, I mean both major parties, the establishment, against us all. And um, you know, you're you're not going to beat them playing on their field. That that's for sure. So uh, what we got going here is um, I don't I don't think I've seen anything like it anywhere really, where we're we're getting an education and we're learning how to you know self organize and uh, bottoms up. And I can tell you, the establishment doesn't, they don't like it. So they're gonna fight you all the way, but that's when you know you're winning,
0: yeah. All right, Frank, so, thank uh, you.
1: Yeah, okay. Thank Thanks you nice. very much, yeah. very
0: nicely put. Let's yeah. go over to Crystal Ellis. Crystal um, is out in Nebraska. So Crystal, maybe you can share your journey and what you learned uh, fr- from a leadership standpoint. Crystal um, has become a leader um, you know, for our campaign, et cetera, in Nebraska, uh, uh, Frank in Massachusetts. Go ahead, Crystal.
3: Um, hi, everyone. so, um, I would say to keep it as far as it comes to leadership or um, having the clarity that it would and focus that it takes to accomplish certain goals. Um, when I before I uh, had met Dr. Shiva gone through any of his curriculum, any of the courses or met any of the community, um it was obviously slightly before covid. Um I was really politically naive. I I fell for a lot of politicians who um didn't really excuse me, promise a lot. <laughs> um but maybe they seemed like they were fighting for the underdog. Um I always appreciated people who um acted like they were for the underdog or, or the working people in general. Um, but, um, in hindsight, you know, a lot of those people obviously are all of them. Uh, they're all talk. They, they definitely, uh, their deeds don't, don't match their words. But, um, after COVID had hit, uh, I was in a lot of disbelief. So, <laughs> um, I wasn't really sleeping properly, probably wasn't eating properly, I didn't have any balance in my life. I felt um, like I needed a lot of answers. I was confused. Um, I felt alone. Um, I I really felt like I was going crazy. You know, I'd wake up every morning, like, is this really happening? Like I had to put a mask on to go to the store or, and, and I couldn't see people's faces it it was something that just seemed so surreal in a real uh dystopian way it was just like it wasn't good it wasn't a good feeling at all so when I came across Dr. Shiva's videos uh speaking on you know the immune system so many topics and then weaving politics through it in such an uncompromising way saying things that I wish that I could like say myself, but nobody, you know, probably thought that nobody would listen to me um or care what I had to say. I just felt like um he was saying everything I I I felt was true. And so I I started watching a lot of his videos. I learned a lot. I uh signed up as a warrior, went through the course many, many times. <laughs> Dr. Shiva, you always say, oh, she's been through the course like 30 times. It's like over 150, but <laughs> um Now, I didn't sit there and take notes every time, you know, maybe sometimes I'd be doing other things, uh, folding laundry or even, you know, before I fell asleep, I would just listen to um, it was it was relaxing. And I heard other people would say that like his voice is very calming and soothing. So it it was like a sense of reassurance that I, I wasn't. And there was a community of people out there who felt the same way who uh didn't want to wear masks or or focus um thinking that you know getting a vaccine was just going to make everything uh better or go away and um so um you know that journey was it was tough, so it was it was nice you know getting in those those good inputs or those those good um learning experiences that I got through the program um, to kind of help take away some of the bad habits that I was in. Because in the beginning of COVID, I'm sure a lot of people, you're getting all these videos, watch this documentary, watch this video, watch this person saying this. And I would watch these things and I went down all these rabbit holes. Um, Everything you could ever imagine, right? These conspiracy theories to, I don't know, um, <laughs> kind of a reductionist approach. I mean, I could name specific things um, that I do think that other people still watch or, or whether it's a constitutional like approach or a legalism approach to a scientific approach to whatever it is um, that people wanted to focus on. Oh, if we would, if we could just do this, then, you know, everything would be better, right? If we could just prove the PCR tests were or whatever, then, you know, like people who wanted to just focus in on this one topic. And I knew something was wrong with that. And I'd watched some of these videos and these other doctors. <clears throat> and um, there was always something missing, and something that felt disingenuous, it wasn't, it just didn't feel right. Um, so after I um, found Dr. Shiva stuff, and I knew that was That was the route I wanted to go. I actually, you know, got on a plane, flew out to Massachusetts with my son, knocked on Dr. Shiva's um, office door and met John Medlar and at the time a lady named Jacqueline. And they were very uh, nice to me and they um, (laughs) they put me to work. So we wanted to know what could we do to help out this campaign and this great guy like educating people and lifting people up. And um, it was fun, like seeing Dr. Shiva in action when he tries to inspire and motivate people, say, you know, go out there and, you know, talk to your community. He does it. Uh, I watched him do it. He'd get on the bus and town after town after town. It wouldn't matter how many people were there. He spoke to everybody the same way. And even when, excuse me, I would be going into the office and maybe there was a time I was staying downtown. And I would take the tea uh, to the office, I would be handing out cards and flyers to those people. And they're like, Oh, I know Dr. Shiva. I'm like, really? Where did you meet him? Right here on the tea. You know, <laughs> they're like, he's great, you know. And so it just shows you that he's already done all that groundwork in his community. Um, so it, it's just very inspiring. And uh, I would say now, you know, after in hindsight, everything that I've done, I have a lot of clarity. I, um, I can sleep at night (laughs) and more importantly, I go to bed knowing that I've spent my day with the community and group of people that, um, are really good people. And I'm fighting for a cause that is empirically, um, the best approach and way forward (laughs) for, uh, humankind, I believe. And I, I wake up knowing that as well. So, um, Yeah, thank you, Dr. Shiva, and everybody here.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Crystal. And if you look at um, before we go to John, uh, as I look at Frank and um, Crystal articulate, you know, over the last two three years that I've known them, their ability to communicate these very very um, difficult concepts in a very tangible way is quite what I would call leadership. You know, once you you cannot be a leader, a real leader, without the theory and the action coming together. I mean, Frank and I have had many, many conversations, right? Theoretical conversations, but then it's always active, right? We'll have a theory conversation. Then we'll be out in the cold putting up a sign, right? And that's what needs to happen. We live in a world right now with these misleaders. We're over here talking something. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., we organized one of the biggest protests here. And then he calls us up when he once he knew like 3,000 people. Oh, can I come? We say, no, you can't come. That's all he does. He watches where the uh, uh, Pinara will tell you. He watches where a lot of people are, and then he swoops in, Or he watches if there's a ground-up movement being done by somebody, and then he hijacks those movements. These people aren't real. And uh, so I want to just let you know, Frank works as an electrician full-time. Crystal's an entrepreneur, you know, full-time a jewelry maker. Everyone in our movement. And the kind of people who are real leaders are truly people who work for a living and come bottoms up. Um, another uh, person I want to do with the third person is John Medlar. John's uh, not 50, 60 years old. He's not in his 50s. He's a 20-year-old. And uh, John has gone through his journey. John, can you share
2: your journey? Go ahead, John. I uh, 29 to be exact. But yeah, um, uh, when I met, when I first met. you in your 20s, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was when I first met you, I must have been like what, 23 or something? Has it really been that long? Like something like that. But we we, we met in like 2017 during yeah. the first Senate campaign. And so so basically, to stepping back a bit, I was raised in a very religious household. I was basically taught that like the the purpose of life was to fight evil through your through your actions, and that you had to your actions had to met match your words. You couldn't just go to church on Sunday and then walk out the church doors and then, um, uh, you know, act like a, um, and then act like you're living a, a double life or something living with contradictions. You're, you have to live out your values with integrity. So I was at least raised with that, but I would say that I, um, uh, being a, you know, the young whippersnapper that I was, I had a lot of passion, a lot of desire. I was definitely very into, into politics, but I had, um, uh, a lot of uh, a skills and, and uh, competencies that I had to learn. So I would really fall into that, that category that Dr. Shiva just mentioned of uh, high integrity, but maybe, maybe a lot of areas of growth and competency that I needed to, that I needed to, that I needed to grow in. So anyway, so I was into, I got into politics um, uh, out of a desire to, you know, I, I could see things wrong with the world. I could see cor- the corruption out there. When I was a col- in college, I could see the creeping threats to censorship and um, stuff. Um, uh, I could see the creeping censorship on the college campuses that was um, that was coming up. And so I started g- getting really involved in free speech activism myself and a, no- a number of other uh, young people. People like myself who had a lot of passion, but very little experience. We just started like doing stuff, organizing, trying to organize rallies and stuff like that. And a few of them were actually very successful. And then we, uh, but it was just pure, pure luck. The conditions were just right, um, uh, it, uh, hindsight being 2020. But, um, uh, but we thought, yeah, this is going great. And we started having all these speakers that we were in, inviting and people that were showing up. A lot of big name e-celebrities and influencers and stuff like that started to get attention to Then we um, uh, met this guy named Dr. Shiva, who had the best political slogan I had ever seen, only the real Indian can defeat the fake Indian. And being the young edgelord that I was, I was like, yes, got to get that guy. And so we we met him and brought him on board and l- learned not only did he have a, a really catchy slogan, but he was a very experienced organizer and activist in his own right. So, um uh, so we immediately meshed on on that point right there and i thought hey i can i can learn a lot from this guy and then when stuff hit the fan you saw those 40,000 people come out because the mayor and the police commissioner demonized us um uh dr shiva stood by my stood by me when all the other influencers ran for the hills and so that showed me that first off right there he was a real one that he was a real fighter and that he was that and so i so i stuck stuck by him and out of gratitude and loyalty, um, uh, stuck around with his helped out with the campaign and stuck around with his movement and, um, uh, having the opportunity to have worked with and, and, uh, fight alongside with Dr. Shiva on all these issues very, very closely for the, for the years since then, since 2017, um, uh, I have learned a lot, a lot, and, um, and I've, and so that in and of itself has been an, uh, a, an amazing opportunity to, to not only in many ways, confirm what I already knew about integrity, but become a lot more sure about it and become a lot more focused on it. Really learning about the not so obvious establishment. What if, if they, if the, if the Republican party had circled the wagons around us at, at at the time and had pretended to be on our side, I would have been, I would have been none the wiser. They could have captured me easily. So in many ways, I, I consider myself fortunate that I sort of, sort of, uh, Learned the hard way about the not so obvious establishment, but then learn more thoroughly through through learning under Doctor Shiva, and then ever since then, whenever someone has 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 shown me, hey, what about what about this guy? He's do he's doing something, or he's saying the right thing, or what about uh, these other people? Um, uh, they're they're building a, a movement over here. One of the things that I that I immediately think about is like, are they actually building a movement? Or are they just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking? Do they actually get on the ground? Do they actually provide? Solutions, because I've seen Dr. Shiva do all of that constantly. I've seen him, like when we were out there on the campaign, gathering signatures for the nomination papers. He'd be right there with us in front of Whole Foods or in front of a supermarket, in the in the freezing cold, gathering signatures there there with us. And he would be training us on how to how to do it. Hey, here's how you approach someone. Here's how you you know how you talk to them. Here's how you get a signature. He, he's he again. He doesn't tell you to do anything that he hasn't already done himself so uh so that so that's the first thing does do, he he leads from the front he's right there with his troops in the trenches you might say and so that's become the standard that i've that i start to judge anybody else again oh look at this other guy who's saying this cool clip on social media okay are they on the ground are they building a movement or they do they have other people do they dirty work or do they fly it most people don't even do that most people just are staying on the internet saying like giving their hot takes and then saying somebody has to do something about it. Really? Somebody you've got like a million followers and you can't organize them into a movement. Come on. (laughs) So basically, so, so, so basically that's uh, like, like we're shadow banned and we're still doing all this stuff. Anyway, we've got, we have far more, Real world on the ground influence than all of these so-called influencers when they have much bigger audiences. We actually have a we actually are forging our audience into a ground force, and you all should get involved at chiefofpresident.com/slash/volunteer or truthforthemhealth.com. Stop sitting on the sidelines and just consuming the knowledge that we're giving you. Actually, start to teach others. But um uh, yeah, that's that's that that's basically become the standard that I. Well, I think
0: the, I think the other thing that you're leaving out of this, John, is John. You know, we have hundreds of thousands of people. If you, John is a, has become bottoms up a leader, and you could probably say, if you look at the quote unquote org chart, um, John's probably got, you know, probably tens of thousands of people he's ultimately responsible for now. And that's a 29 year old person, okay? So I just wanna let everyone know that what we, um, in, in closing on this topic about governance, you know, we've talked about wisdom, communication, trust, solving problems and walking the walk. And you won't hear this anywhere else, particularly anything embedded from the concept of you have to walk the walk. And I would urge all of you, as we close this, this town hall for Shiva for President on governance, um, look at people if they walk the walk. Anyone can say whatever. Elon Musk can one day say he's for free speech and he's against the World Economic Forum. And then the next day, hire the person who ran the World Economic Forum to be the head of Twitter, um, which is going to be the worst form of sense. And he right now is conducting worse censorship than ever before by putting people in these digital cages. Donald Trump can say, yeah, I'm going to lock her up. And the next day he does nothing to her. He can talk about. He's going to drain the swamp and he brings in the swamp. We live in this total world, what I called, I did a talk on this called the great deception. The great deception is that those in power have gotten away with the rapid news cycle for you to accept their lack of integrity on everything. They literally believe the masses, as they say, and I've heard them say this, the masses are asses. And that's what they believe. They have no respect for everyday people. So this is why they are so cavalier about saying one thing literally within seconds and then going to doing the exact opposite and then building a brand as though they're here to help you. You mean Elon Musk gets all this view time as though he's a fighter against evil. Are you serious? The guy is pure evil. But we live in this world of total duplicity right now. And the only way out of it, what I call real governance is you, you learning and you um, absorbing these attributes of wisdom, communication, trust, solving problems and walking the walk. That's it. Now, the great thing is our run for president and our movement has created this wonderful community where we will keep you honest so you don't bullshit yourself and, um, compromise these very important principles. So anyway, um, this is the town hall for uh, Shiva for president on governance. And before we close, John, I will take three questions on this issue about governance and any of the things I've shared today. Who has any questions? Or John, if there's not a question, you can read anything off StreamYard, but go ahead.
2: Yep, I can uh, read off social media or Zoom, but- uh... or if
0: anyone wants on Zoom, You can click on the hand and you can raise your hand or wave your hand. But go ahead, John. Let's take three questions.
2: All right. I'm looking for some. Not seeing any yet.
0: There's some in the chat, I think.
2: Uh, A
0: bunch of sources. Yeah, so Nicole has a very good point, Nicole. uh, She goes, founding fathers warned about the dangers of leadership without morals. It's a really, really great point you're bringing up, Nicole, because you know, there was a time in high school, they used, to t- they used to have a class called ethics, right? They don't teach any of this anymore. So um, you literally have these people who have, who, who, who it really is a fifth point here, who really spit on this whole concept of walking the walk. And the greatness of America came from people who did walk the walk. Hard-working people came here and all of that is being destroyed. And that's why going back to that curve, the life expectancy is going down. It's directly because of people say one thing and they go do completely something else. Let's look at another one here. John, you can read off. if there's anyone else.
2: Lynn is saying that she's going to apply that uh, competency and integrity graph to people that she suspects of being the not so obvious establishment.
0: Yeah, you can apply that. We actually did a very nice matrix, which we'll teach people about. But if you look at the, you can look at, if you take a systems approach, Lynn, you can literally, in a very objective and tangible way, understand why these people are are misleaders. For example, the next phase of those in power, profit and control, those people want that, is they're going to bring together a number of very, and they're already doing it. They're gonna bring together the climate change scam, combined with moving everyone to digital currency, combined with government censorship infrastructure, combined with uh, onerous mandates. And if you look at any one of these candidates, you'll find out that um, they may say one thing over here, but you'll see the contradiction. You know, this guy, Kennedy, for example, totally supports a climate change scam. Elon Musk supports a climate change scam, you see, um, and you'll find out that any one of these people supports one or four of all of these things. Trump is the one who created CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, which created the end run around the First Amendment. And all of these people all have shit on their hands, all of them. They all do. That's why if you, you, That's why we need a systems overhaul. Because none of them have any integrity. Go back to 1980 till today, and you'll find out that Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican, be it politicians, be it the academics, be it the people in media, all of them have been been part of uh, this this misleadership, which has resulted in the destruction of the American people's health. So why are we going to choose any of them as a lesser of two evils? In fact, the whole concept of the lesser of two evils is fundamentally against governance. It's fundamentally against anything that's ethical. If you think about it, lesser of two evils. I mean, how low of a standard can you get? Imagine if you're a parent. Oh, well, Johnny got a D minus. I'm glad he didn't get an F. Are you serious? I mean, this is a level of, that's not the lesser of two evils. You have an idiot. Okay, the guy better. If I were a parent, he'd be treated very differently. I wouldn't let him out of his room until he finished his problems and homework and But we're letting these guys get away between, we think a D minus is better than an F. Um, And it's very, very low standards that we've set. So anyway, everyone, we have a huge opportunity. Um, um, Not only we, but you specifically, you have a huge opportunity to grow yourself as a human being. And ultimately my run for president and our movement is about you. It's about you raising your consciousness and you don't need everyone to raise their consciousness to the level we're talking about. But if you have sufficient people, it's game, set, match. It really is. And that's why I wanted to do this talk today, because we really want to support leaders. All right, everyone stay on here, don't leave. John, I'm going to sign off off of StreamYard. Thank you, everyone. That ends our town hall for Shiva for president. We're going to continue with our Truth, Freedom, and Health um, event here on Zoom. Thanks, John. Bye. Bye.